You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Liberty DeVito, is best known for his time creating hit music and touring the world with Billy Joel. But he is also an author of multiple books, a studio musician with superstars such as Paul McCartney, Stevie Nicks, Carly Simon, and Karen Carpenter, just to name a few. And he plays with his bands, The Slim Kings and Lords of 52nd Street. Liberty tells some fantastic stories, and he gives us great insight into being one of the most legendary songwriters, drummers ever. So come along with me as I catch up with Liberty DeVito. Liberty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. It is great to see you. It's wonderful we to were, see you too. What? Oh, thank you. And we were just we were just talking before I hit record about how we've actually never met in person before. So yeah. this is really, really a treat for me. And um, you know, in this in this industry that we all think of as like this microcosm, right? Um, it's nice, it's nice to be in touch. It's really nice to be in touch. Everybody thinks the business is huge and you don't know anybody or see anybody or, 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 you know, but it's really small. I mean, really, really tiny. Somebody knows this person, this person knows that person. You get introduced to that. And going to the NAMM show too, you meet a lot of people. You know, um, people watch your videos. Uh, I, I, I met Larry Mullen at a play I went to, um, uh, on Broadway, and he was in the audience, and I introduced myself to him, and I said, hey, Larry, I'm Liberty DeVito. And he pointed at me, and he said, oh, it's amazing. I just watched the video Hired Gun, and uh, yeah, you were all over it. (laughs) So, you know, there's always that something that you've done or the other person has done that that makes the introduction, Mm -hmm. you know, which is great, because we're all watching each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing about the drumming community that maybe doesn't exist in other um, musician communities. There's this thing about us where we want to know what everyone else is doing, and we're happy for each other. (laughs) You know, there's camaraderie. We're really happy for each other, and one of the things that that uh, keeps us connected, which you could think of it as a negative thing, but it's it's really not, is that we we can't own anything we can't we we create parts and stuff like that but we can't own them right you know uh, a guitar player can come up with a great line in a song and and then all of a sudden somebody else uses the line he they they, uh, you know take it for a rap song or something like that and they have to pay the artist to get you know the drum part ah. (laughs) that is so true and I never really thought about it like that but that makes a ton of sense yes there's no like this is my part that I wrote and you can't use it, right? Right, right. Now, once they so do it, yeah. you know, the perfect example is uh, uh, Bernard Purdy's shuffle there, the Purdy shuffle. Yes. Everybody did it. And um, I mean, had success with it too. Absolutely. Rosanna and um, what's it, the Fool in the Rain. Yes. Yeah. And and it so there's like a an atmosphere of sharing I think that maybe doesn't, that doesn't exist right 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 you know and and the great thing is is that that uh, you get credited from the drummer when he does interviews if he used your part or if he yeah. if you were the main guy that got him started or if you know I mean so many people of uh, drummers have come up to me like at the NAMM show and said like, you're, you're the guy, you were the one. When I saw you play, you you, you influenced me to play drums. It was it was great. And I go, oh, do you still play drums? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I, I play with, uh, you know, Matchbox 20 or I play with, you know, these big bands. Yes. You know, I can crazy. see that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think about you and the way that you play and we've we've had the conversation before our first conversation that we had um you were saying you know i'm a a songwriter's drummer i'm not a chops drummer right i think that was what what you had said um and of course you're a songwriter's drummer and i think about um your drumming as so relatable to people you know to other drummers because you hear a part that you're doing and 
it's kind of like when you hear Steve Gadd and when you hear Ringo and you think, I want to do that. Like I, I, it's, 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 um, it's able to be grasped what you're doing and it makes you want to play. Whereas sometimes you hear a drummer who's super chops and you're impressed by it, but it's not something that you want to sit down and redo. If you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. You know, there's Sarah, there's a there's reason that I don't, I don't play double bass drum pedals. I, I don't play them. And mm -hmm. there's two reasons why I don't. One is, um, Parchment Farm by Cactus, Carmine Apiece plays it. And the other is Hot for Teacher. Those yeah. are the two reasons why I don't. It's like, <laughs> after you listen to that, it's like, what else am I going to do with this thing? It's true. It's you know? true. Yeah. I, if I play it, it's just because, oh, everybody else is playing it, you know? Yes. There's so yeah. many videos on, on, on YouTube of people playing drums uh, that, that they're doing these licks that they are really good at but they're like you, you look at them and you go like when would you ever use that or right. you're only gonna be able to use it once and then you know so it it, it gets crazy after a while yeah. seeing so many you know yes yeah and, and it is and, it is impressive right you're you're like wow that is incredible i could never do that <laughs> i'm not sure why <laughs> when i would do that or when i would use that um, right and, uh, and, as far as jazz goes, I mean, I remember hearing um, uh, Dave Brubeck, uh, you know, they did Take Five first and, and Joe Murillo did a little bit of a solo in there. But, but then on the next record, he came out with, with a, a tune called Far More Drums, where he does a full on 5-4 solo. And it was like one of those times when I was like, okay, I'll never do that. So yeah. let's move on to something else that I can do, you know? Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, your parts in, in so many of the songs and, you know, I'm thinking about um, just some of the, the Billy Joel songs and I really, we can go in deep on this, but um, I just think about your parts and how well they fit the music and how tasty they are. And, you know, one of the, uh, one of the songs that sticks out to me is um, Get It Right the First Time. That was like... That your hi hat work and all of that, and it just seems like such a fun song to play. Like it has all the elements in it. It is fun. Uh, that was a that, that was a freaky song when he came in with that one because it's kind of a departure from Billy Joel. It's it's not really the a classic ballad or the you know the, the the long song with the message. It's just like you know, man, there's a girl over there. I got to get it right the first time. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was at the time too. When we did the Stranger album, it's the first album we worked with Phil Ramone producing the record. And he, at, the, at that time, we were in A&R Studios and all the hot studio guys were in there. Uh, Gad was in there and Richard T and, and uh, Cornell Dupree, all those guys who eventually, a lot of them started to play with us on, on the records, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, on that Stranger album, um, Richard T actually plays the piano on Everybody Has a Dream. And then he plays on Tell Her About It, you know? That is super cool. I had no idea. Uh, so that sounds like it was a fun time, like in recording history. Yeah, and, and it just um, shows you that I had my thing that could play with those studio guys too, mm -hmm. you know? Even though it wasn't like Gad, it was, I could do it with them. Yes. You know, they felt comfortable playing with me and I felt comfortable playing with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And and actually, let me dive into like the the whole the songwriting process, too, because, um, you know, like we said, you're a songwriter, drummer, and you have the ability, which I think is something that is incredibly unique and valuable um, to be able to fit parts to a songwriter who is very versatile. Like you just said. The, you know, the songs we're talking about, the departure from the norm. And I mean, Billy Joel is an example of an artist who went everywhere with his music. Right. Which is which is great, which is I feel like is what you need to do when you're a creative person. Just explore all of the, the options. But you went there as well and like made it work in all those styles of music. So how did that work for you? Well, like you say, he wrote in all different styles. Uh, a perfect example was um, when he wrote the song Big Man on Mulberry Street. You know, 
it's kind of like a, a, a jazzy type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing in the verses and I'm, I'm playing just a swing on the cymbal and, and, you know, trying to do that jazzy stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he goes, would you stop doing that? You're not a jazz drummer. You're a rock drummer. Play like a rock drummer trying to play jazz. Right. <laughs> play like that. Don't try to play jazz. Play like you're a rock drummer trying to play jazz. And that became a, a style then in that song. I you love know. that. Yeah, and it makes, if you think about that song, that makes so much sense. Yeah, um, and, and then I did some kicks, you know, and then mm -hmm. the horns actually played to the kicks uh, that I did on the record rather than me playing to the horn kicks. So, you know, it sounds like I'm a big band drummer. <laughs> right, right. But that, but that description is perfect. And did you get, um, did you get instruction like that often where it was, um, you know, I want this kind of like set the scene kind of thing, like in this way? Um, well, in the studio, when uh, we would go into the studio, Billy would, uh, we'd go in the studio the first day, he would might have two songs finished you know, two songs mm -hmm. to play us that, okay, I got two songs for the album of 11 tracks. But he had ideas of what, what he wanted to do. And he would run the ideas past us. And if we could come up with something that made the idea flow, he would go finish the song. And then the next day he'd come in with the song, you right. know, and that, but we would have to create the parts. Mm -hmm. Like one of the songs uh, I remember, us going back and forth was the song uh, the Down Easter Alexa that's on um, uh, Stormfront album. Mm -hmm. He said to me, he said, um, "The song's about my boat." Now I always got his lyrics while the other guy were, guys were writing our chords and all, all that kind of stuff. I got his lyrics because I wanted to know what he was talking about. Yeah, because that would dictate what I'm going to play. Mm -hmm. So I, I've got the lyrics to Down Easter Alexa, and he goes. Now, now uh, this this song it's about the boat, and um, you know, and so I started to play like a, like a Jimmy Buffett type of thing, you know, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. He goes, no, 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 we're in the North Atlantic. <laughs> the water is dark, and the yes. waves are huge. You know, because mm -hmm. I, I, I need you to to do something like that. You know, we're on a fishing boat. So I remember growing up on Long Island and in the morning you would hear the boats leave to go out, out fishing yes. and they were diesel engines and they would be putting out like right. So that became the snare. Right. The waves, they'd go over the waves and bam, they come slamming down. Right. So that became the tops. Boom. So you had the slamming. So, and because it was a song, you had to have a little rhythm to it. So it, it was boom, boom. So, so that created that that um, boat type of thing. yes, like it's like almost a rocking too. Like I can hear that. You know, yeah. that's that is super cool. I love that. I tried to get it so that people would throw up when they were on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> they would get seasick listening to the song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I can I can hear it though. That is so that is so interesting. So yeah, you really are setting the mood for the song. And I love that you wanted to listen to the lyrics or, or hear what the lyrics were. Always. Um, Always. Yeah, so you really understood what you were playing to. He would that call makes me. So much sense. He would call me sometimes and, and say, "Look, I got this lyric. What do, what do you think? Like like the song Stormfront." He, mm -hmm. he called me about Stormfront, and he tells me the lyrics. He starts singing it to it. You know, uh, uh, safe at harbor, everything is easy. Uh, off to starboard, daylight, whatever the lyric says. And he tells it's all about his boat. Mm -hmm. And then he stops and he goes, "What do you think?" And I said. I don't know how many people want to hear about your boat. I said, <laughs> if you make the second verse about a relationship that you're having with a woman, mm -hmm. they will think that oh, the boat is just a symbol of the woman. Yes. Like he should stay home because there's a storm front coming. 
And the second verse then starts, I got a woman, my life should be easy. You know, most yeah. men hunger for the life I lead. Right, you know? right, right. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. And then, and then it becomes relatable to like, you know, 99% of the people that are listening to the song. Well, that was the thing. It was like, he, he's classically trained. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you break down his songs, he's even done videos of this where, where he can play his songs uh, and they sound like classical songs, you know, like mm -hmm. um, uh, the longest time. It's like classical. Exactly. And he says that I put the, the street element into it, mm -hmm. you know, to make it re relatable to people, to, to yeah, the fans, so you know. I, I, I always say that us musicians are insane when we listen to music. I, I, com I compare it to uh, getting a pizza. You know, uh, if you compare music the way you would compare a pizza, you would pick up the slice of pizza and you go, you take a bite and you go like, oh, the sauce is good. Um, the crust could be cooked a little more. Uh, the, 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 the cheese is nice. It's a little stringy. You take it apart. Most people <laughs> just eat pizza because they love pizza. Yes. We listen to songs like we, we eat pizza. Like, uh, <laughs> that's a great track. Yeah, it's really good. The bass sucks on it, though. But, uh, you know, it could have been better. But, uh, yeah. It's like, yes. not, you got to think about how people listen. Yes, absolutely. I love and And that that's what you had in your head, thinking about how people are going to relate to this music. And, you know, you brought that into the songwriting process, which is which is amazing. And I I um, I don't know if you do this. I know you have a, a young daughter, but I, I am always, I listen to music with my kids and I'm always saying, did you hear that? Or listen for this, or this is coming up, you know, <laughs> and they're just like, oh my goodness. Um, you know, because you're listening, but you're analyzing at the same time, or you're, you know, appreciating at the same time. So. Yeah. That's, that's the way I learned playing drums was, you know, my, I asked my father years later after a career took off and we were doing well, I always loved music. Mm -hmm. Not particularly the drums, but I always loved music. I had a transistor radio when I was a kid, put it under the pillow, used to listen to the, the, the top 10 all the time. So mm -hmm. I asked my dad, I said, well, why didn't you buy me drums? And he said, because they didn't make Prozac when you were a kid. So <laughs> it was so, it calmed me down, I guess. But um, so, my mom said, when I got the drums, why don't you go take lessons? The first mm -hmm. downfall for me was in the, in the sixth grade school band. I couldn't do the buzz roll and the Star Spangled Banner. And they, the drummer said, put the sticks down the video and you'll never do anything with the drums. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, it's discouraging, you know? Yeah. So when I got this set of drums to bang on, my mom said, go take a lesson or two, you know? So we went to a local music store. The guy was trying to teach me jazz, you know? And I had just seen the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. And yes. I pointed at the screen and I said, that's what I want to do. That right there. I want to yes. tour the world and make records and have a great time with my friends. You know, yes. so the guy, guy was teaching me jazz and it was like, I'm not into this. I, I want to do what that guy did, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn myself. And so when I was home trying to play to records because I couldn't read music and I couldn't mm -hmm. write music, I would get lost in the song. So. I thought, well, I'll learn the lyrics and I'll sing along with the song. And then I realized, hey, you know what? The drummer does a drum fill when the singer stops singing. And the drummer also does a drum fill to take the band into a more exciting place like the bridge or a chorus mm -hmm. or something like that. So that's kind of what I brought into the studio with, with Billy. It's like, when is yeah. it my turn to do something? Right. You know, it's yes. not all the time. Yeah, and and being okay with waiting for your time to do something, right? Um, yeah, which which is really interesting because you mentioned the Beatles, and I, I feel like that was such a strong point for for Ringo for what he did was like waiting for his moment to create something memorable um, and significant in the music, and he did that so well. Um, yeah, he but, was, he gets he gets a. Uh... He, he, I praise the guy, you know, he's, he's what the most, one of the most creative drummers, you know, I, I listened to 
like the song Getting Better on Sgt. Pepper. And the part that he plays is just amazing. It, you know, he could just be doing a regular shuffle. I used to be cruel to my... But he doesn't. He just straight forward the bass drum. And it's just like... Boom, bah, mm, psh, bah, mm, just the stuff that he makes up makes the verse sit here and then it makes the chorus go here. Mm-hmm. You know, it just lifts it. Mm-hmm. And then saves something for the bridge. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's it's amazing. And I, you know, I, I mention this all the time on this podcast because it just is so um, relatable. But the Get Back documentary, I feel like was, I, I have watched it three times and would watch it like, any at any point again i keep saying like i need to i need to see that again because i keep seeing things i didn't see before and hearing things i didn't hear before but just watching the creation of those hit songs is like nothing i've ever seen before now did, did you notice now i watched it too and I, and and, and, I, and i have to tell you that i did cry at the end because Yes. The Beatles, you know, I, when they first came to America, I was 13 years old. So by yeah. the time they broke up in 68, they broke up, I was 18 now. So mm-hmm. that part of my life was the Beatles. Yes. Right? So what, it, it was great to see Ringo sitting there when Paul is running through a song and, and just like basically keeping time, yeah. but listening to what Paul is doing. What, what's yes. he saying? What's he doing? You know? And then... Um, what amazed me too was before they actually got a track and before they started to really get down to work on their songs, they always went back to the beginning, played mm-hmm. little Richard, played, you know, all those old songs that they played at, at the cavern yes. to, to yeah. get that, that whole excitement and that energy again of, of what rock and roll really is about. Mm-hmm. And then seeing them on the roof, when Ringo all of a sudden then became Ringo, it was like, yes. oh my God, you know? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, for me, um, you know, that wasn't, I I was born in the 80s. So it was like, I knew the Beatles, I grew up with the Beatles, but I didn't understand what a short period of time that was yeah. and how it impacted music in the way that it did. Um, and I, of course, like I love Ringo's drumming. I always have, but I didn't fully appreciate what he brought to the music as a whole. Um, and I think that's important to understand. It was amazing. I always say that, you know, that people say like, do you think Ringo um, paved the road for you guys to do what you did? And I say, he didn't pave the road. What Ringo did was came in with a bulldozer, knocked the trees down, dug the the road then cemented it then put the pavement on top of it right right all that it is it is incredible and as far as like the history of creating drummers i'm not sure anyone created more drummers than ringo did or pushed the drumming industry forward in the way that he did and i'm thinking about zildjian and ludwig in particular with their products being promoted and on back order, you know, for years and really kind of like making them household names. That's just, that's incredible to me. Um, Everybody wanted that, that uh, oyster colored kit that we had. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And they still make it right. Like it still sells. I would want a drum set like that too. (laughs) Like it's, you know, right. We need that Liberty. We got to get on. (laughs) Um, No, but it it is incredible. And I I love that that was, um, that was how you kind of came to be the drummer that, that you were. And were there any other, what, what, what other kind of music were you listening to back then? Um, You said that like the hits basically. When I was growing, before yeah. I started with it, before the Beatles, exactly, I loved, yeah. I loved Dion, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the song "The Wanderer." I mean, if you put that on now, play it loud on your stereo, the feel. The, the guy's name is Panama Francis, who played drums on it, and it just feels so good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when I used to relate to like Dion singing about the Wanderer, and he's got a girl here, and he's got a girl there, and then then he's got a girl tattooed on his chest, and all this kind of yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, I want to be that. 
you know, <laughs> Dion's so cool. So if I like Dion, then I must be cool too, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was my first. I loved Gene Pitney. Uh, uh, the Four Seasons, loved them. You know, that, that's all. Gary Chester, uh, Hal Blaine, all those, those drummers, you know, yes. they're, they're playing music. They're playing to those songs and making them great. There's a song, um, It's My Party by uh, Leslie Gore. The yep. drums are incredible on it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But nobody ever really listens to them. Yes. You know, but if you sit and listen to It's My Party, you're going to go like, what? What is he playing? It's so great. You know? Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that again. I, I was uh, definitely into lyrics as well as a kid. And I was that I was that kid who would ask my parents, well, what does this mean? What is this song about? And a lot of times I was way too young for like the <laughs> the real story of like what yeah, was yeah. going on in that song. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, it, it is it is interesting how it it um, as drummers, we pick those things out. You know, where someone's just like, oh, this is a fun party song. And, you know, um, yeah. but but really, like, it, there's a lot going on there. And and I love that. Um, I love that those things affected your your future in creating music, because those songs were really, you know, you you were creating in those songs. And it and it. Yes. Shows. Yes. Learning Absolutely. how to play those parts, learning you know, learning the lyrics to the song and listening to the bass parts and stuff like that, you're not only learning the drums, you're, you're learning music. A lot of drummers just learn drums. Yeah. And they don't know anything about music. You know, there's, there's a whole thing that, that, that goes down when, you, when you're recording. I mean, there's some great guys that, how about um, Larry Mullen? With you two, as soon as you hear, you know exactly what song it is. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Yes. Yeah. The parts that make the music, like when you hear a drum part and, and you can recognize, I mean, as drummers, I think we do that a lot. We could probably do that more than a lot of, you know, if you have a guitar player and you're like, oh, what is this? The intro to or whatever, it might be different, but um, there are, it's so interesting. The drummers that create the parts that make the songs. Yeah. Um, it's that opening thing back in the day too. When they put on a 45, a record company or, or DJs, if they didn't hear anything in the first 10 seconds, they were, they were done. They wouldn't play the record, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think about Brick House. It starts with that great. It just sets it up, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I, I want to hear a little bit too about. Um, you know, the, the travels, kind of the world travels, because you were all over the world in all of these tours. Um, and one of the things that a friend of mine recently mentioned was that when you, there's a story about when you played in uh, Moscow about maybe like you need to bring your instrument, like they didn't have instruments or something like that, and that you had left some symbols. I'm not uh, sure if this is true, uh, right? Is this I know, a... I know what you're talking about. Okay. No, we, 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 um, we brought all our stuff. We, we had mm -hmm. just finished a little run in England and we used an English um, trucking company to bring all our gear. What we wanted to mm -hmm. show uh, uh, the Russian people was that when we play in a Coliseum, uh, what you're going to see tonight is exactly what you see if you came to Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. You know, so we brought everything with us, sound, lights, everything. And it was, uh, you know, we just uh, duplicated what we, you see it when you go to Boston Gardens or wherever you go see a concert. And, and this um, hadn't been done before, right? This was like. No, it was never done this before. Hadn't been I mean, done. Now, Elton John had gone, but just played piano with, with Ray Cooper playing percussion. Mm -hmm. So this was a full on production. So uh, the thing about the equipment, the, the cymbals was uh, I went to see a band uh, at night in, the, in their rehearsal studio, rehearse this Russian band. Mm -hmm. And in Russia at the time, you couldn't have something if everybody else couldn't have it. You, you know what I mean? Like that, right. that's, that's why they were- available was, to all. Right, yeah. right. So I went to see this guy and he had these beat up drums and, and it, but his cymbals were horrible. They, they were just broken and just, just cheap cheap symbols, you know? So mm -hmm. I said, I'll tell you what, you come to the show, uh, our last show, 
and I'll give you my symbols. Right? So last show comes, we take all the symbols off, and I, I give them to him, right? And he's like mm -hmm. thrilled. He's trying to walk out of the of the arena, and they the security stops him. And they say, What do you have there? And he and he takes his symbols out and they say, You can't have these. And and he says, Liberty just gave them to me. He gave them to me, but you can't have them. Oh. And he says, well, he gave them to me because they're broken. They, they said, what? Where is he broken? He says, see, there's a hole in the middle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he got to keep them. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. What a story. Yeah. And I, how, I mean, was, I just... They were Zildjian. They were Zildjian. They, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what they're, they're that's, you know, that, those were the symbols that were there, right? Like the only company at the time what what year was that do you remember that was 86 i think oh, wow. 86 yeah yeah, yeah so you, were, you were probably what two started. how old were you no, i was six i was six in 86. <laughs> oh my gosh that's a that's that's amazing though i love that yeah and the, um we talked before really briefly before i pressed record on this but um so you know traveling around the world and being gone a lot you're home, COVID happens, you're home. It's like a whole different situation. And um, and now you have like a different perspective on like fatherhood and, <laughs> you know, being there because you have a young daughter. Yeah, well, when my first three daughters were born, well, little, um, they, it was make an album, go on the road, make an album, go on the road, make an album, go on the road. So I was away a lot. And I missed a lot. Uh, I mean, when my daughter Tori was playing violin, uh, was taking lessons, and she's learning Twinkle, you have to hear it on the hotel phone because we didn't, there was no cell phones then or anything like that. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't there to see their first steps. I wasn't there to, you know, things like that. But now having May, who's six now, when COVID hit, all the gigs were canceled. Everything was canceled. So we were home, which was a curse, but the, the good side of it was I was home with her all the time. And I saw, I saw her go from laying on her back to me turning and getting something out of a cabinet to turning around and she's sitting up now yeah. by herself. I was like, I called my wife right away. I said, you won't believe what I just saw. You won't believe <laughs> The first walks, the first, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. To the point now, uh, yesterday, I was in the basement where um, I, I keep my drums, and she was with me. And I have this thing; it's called the uh, one-man band. You, you you bounce it on the floor, and the, and the cymbals go, ksh, ksh, and you play mm -hmm. cowbells and tambourines with with a stick. She's now banging it on the floor in time, and I'm playing on a set of drums, just playing boom, da, boom, da. And she's going, ksh, da, dee, 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 you know, just nice. to watch this progress is amazing to me. Yes. Yeah. You know, living life. I'm living life now. You know, being in, in, in that, that time with Billy was being in a bubble. We, we could do yeah. no wrong. Every record was a smash. You know, uh, you get stuff all the time. People are giving you stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so now it, it's like reality. This is... Yeah reality like yes. it's wonderful to do it and especially at this age i mean being the age i am um <laughs> it, it's it's a challenge because mm -hmm. she's killing me by keeping me alive for this right. <laughs> right well she's yeah she's keeping you active which is which is a good thing i mean yeah, i get up make a breakfast take her to school yeah. pick her up from school hang out with the moms at the playground I love it. <laughs> That's so great. It's so great. And it's, um, it's nice to see you happy. And, you know, I just, um, I, I read you, well, first of all, you wrote a book, let's promote the book too, because, um, it's a few years since you came out with this book, but it's called Liberty Life, Billy and the Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. Um, and I'll put a link of course, so that people can find it, but um, if anyone wants to read, it's really all about your life and about touring and about the whole everything, right? So, you know, I, I wrote, I started writing the book 
with, with family history, just so my girls would know where their grandparents came from Italy and, and what my dad and his brothers did during the war uh, and, um, you know, things like that. But when me and Billy parted ways, I thought, okay, I'm going to write about Billy. Now, I must say, I could have thrown a lot of people under the bus, but I'm, sure. I'm not that kind of person that, that would do that. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I'm going to look at the life of musical career, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to put on Billy's shoes and I'm going to look at it through that. Why does he do and why did he do what he did to certain people? Mm-hmm. Well, the guy's had a career for almost 60 years now. You yeah. have to change. If you don't change, you're going to fall to the wayside. Absolutely. So he was smart enough to be able to change. And sometimes you have to change personnel. And you don't mean to hurt them, but in order for you to move on, you have to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just something that has to be done. I mean, the Beatles broke up because they had to move on. They couldn't be in the same room with each other anymore right. or whatever. Right. And they wanted to create in their heads, especially George. I mean, George was had yeah. all these songs that he wanted to record. That's why he put out a triple album. Yes. You know, you know hits, right? I mean, broke he up. A... Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. And Ringo was the first one to have a, a hit 45, a hit single, after they broke up. You know, mm-hmm. these guys were storing this up inside them because yes. they were trapped in this box called the Beatles. Yes. Which wasn't a bad, I'd like to. Wasn't a bad in. box to be trapped no. in. No. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but for them, it must have been like torture after a while. Right. They had you know? more, they had more to give, right? They had more to do. Right. Yeah. Right. That's why I love uh, doing what I'm doing now. I mean, I play with the, the band, The Lords of 52nd Street. We do all the Billy songs. It's myself, Richie Canato, who played the sax on all those songs. Mm-hmm. And um, Russell Javers, who was in the band up until the Bridge album. Yep. And he went to the Soviet Union with us, too. And so I do that. And then I have another band called the Slim Kings, which is with younger guys that, uh, you know, are into hip hop and, and all that kind of stuff. And the thing that connects us is I'm the old school guy. The thing that connects us is, is that they'll come in to me with a, with a R&B or hip hop song and they'll go, we want to do something like this with this beat. And I'll, I'll listen to it and I'll go like, they sampled Motown. That's a Motown. Yeah. So it's an old school beat that they're listening to, which they think is new because they don't know Motown. Right. You know, and so that makes a connection where we'll start the music. They come up with the younger ideas and I'm basically bringing them back to what feels, feels great, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a lot of fun and it, it, it helps me to keep, current and create, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think about, um, you know, one of the things that you said about writing the book was that you started writing it 15 years before it was released, right? So like in that time, you changed too, and your perspective changed, and you started to understand how other people felt, and you kind of softened some of it. Um, And I think that's incredibly important because you also, like we just talked about, so there's the Beatles box and Ringo and George Harrison right. like break out and have their own thing. I don't think you realize um, what you have to give or who you are as an individual until you are outside of something, um, till there's some time and space between you and an experience, right? And then you have this whole other, you have evolved, you have changed, your perspective has changed. So well, I think that's yeah. amazing. You know, it's it's funny uh, because I, I went to Sicily at one point because my relatives still lived there. And um, on the way home, I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to every Billy Joel song that I played on with him. And after I was done, I was like, wow, that was good. <laughs> we were good. You know? Yeah. So that was cool. And then, um, you know, w- when you play with a band all the time, you never hear... Somebody asked me once, they go, does Billy Joel tell you how good you are? And I said, no, no, you, you only hear how you play when um, uh, you do something wrong, mm-hmm. when you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's when you hear about how you're playing, how you're right. playing is. But it wasn't until the book that um, when Billy wrote the forward, yes. what, he, what he said, what I added to his music which for me was amazing to, to read. I mean, when he, when he sent me the email 
I, I like got teared up. It was like, yeah. oh my God, I, you know? I bet. Yeah. Because you I don't bet. know, you know, until somebody says something, you know? Absolutely. The, yeah. And you need the, you need the positive too. I think about that with kids actually, right? So you find yes. yourself sometimes correcting a lot, but then you have to really make an effort to be like, these are all the things you do so great, you know, so they know. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because you say one thing, like that teacher, when he said to me, put the sticks down to me, oh, you'll never do anything with the yeah. drums. It was like, oh, well, I guess I'm, gosh, you know, not going to do anything with the drums. I'm not good. Yes. You know? well, and, and a lot, I think that happens a lot of times with yeah. create, you know, creative situations where yep. um, it takes a lot of encouragement because it's not easy to create and to create well and to feel good about it. You know, you yeah. have to, you need that encouragement, but, but, um, but I'm so, and I, like I said, I'm so glad to see you happy and really doing these things that, that are fulfilling because they, they are so great. And I'm going to link um, the band information too. So people can see you out playing. And I don't want to forget you actually wrote a children's book too, which I did <laughs> yeah. not know about. And this is, I'm like, I have to get this book. I have to get it now because yeah. I, please tell me about the book. It's uh, it's, it's called love Santa Claus. And it, it talks about how his day starts and everything is, you know, his pants are ripped. He's glad he travels at night. So kids don't see him and stuff like that. But it also gets into the part, like, the way I explain it to people is, if you write a book about Liberty DeVito and his career, you have to, even if you don't like Billy Joel, you have to include him <laughs> in the book because there's that's a major 30-year part of Liberty DeVito's life, right? Right. So I, there's mentions of what happened to get Santa to get that job, mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff that that you don't necessarily believe in. And some people really believe in it. But it that is the basis of how he got his job. Right. You, you know, and yeah. every night when he comes home, he, after after the ride, you know, on Christmas Eve, when he comes home on Christmas Day, he kneels down and says, thank you. You know, just thank you for my job. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I, I guess anybody could have got the gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. You have to have some aspect of magic, though, right? So you, you gotta have you gotta have magic, and yeah. uh, you know, I think they they started out with about a thousand guys that that had beards, and then they <laughs> asked, okay, who's got a red suit? And then right, right. cut it down to about five hundred guys, <laughs> and then who's got a sleigh? Ten guys, right? Then, like, okay, what reindeer, you, right? Right. Who's got reindeer? Oh, that went down to two guys. No. Uh, let's go with the fat one. <laughs> I love, right, right, right. Then it comes down to the look. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, and I will, I will link um, information about that book as well because it looks great and fascinating. And um, you know, I think with kids too, like the link between um, the 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 magic and the fun of Christmas and the history and the religion behind it and all of that kind of like putting that together and like a full understanding of what it actually is, I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, having, having the six year old helps, mm -hmm. you know, she came to see me play, uh, I'd say last summer we played uh, a gig up in uh, Schenectady. Mm -hmm. And so she and, and uh, Anna came with me to the gig. And it was an outdoor gig, so it was great. It was a beautiful night. She was so amazed because she had never seen what I do. Mm -hmm. She was amazed. Now, the downside was all she wanted to listen to for the next two months was Billy Joel songs. Oh in the car, gosh. we had to play Billy Joel. And oh, I was like, can we play something else? Yeah. <laughs> That is so sweet, though, that she takes an interest in what you do and the history behind, you know, what you've done, too. Like, you know, it's amazing. After seeing the band, her big question was, why did Billy leave the band? Oh, my gosh. Like that, right? From, from the, yeah. It's just, it shows you, like, how kids think, like the logic behind that, right? Yeah. Why did and, Billy leave the band? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. I and and kids ask those questions, and 
yeah. you know, you think, yeah, the, the very simple, like to the heart of it, why? And now um, she's in uh, different <clears throat> different kinds of music. Now she's into uh, the Go-Go's. She loves the Go-Go's. Wow. And, and, and she also loves Erasure and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I my, my 10-year-old daughter, her favorite band is Queen. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So it's just so interesting to me. Um, and I was a classic rock fan as a kid as well. So it's it's just, but it's it's interesting. You just don't know, you know. I have a, a son in pop into pop music, so he just. How old is uh, he? Is that, he's seven. Oh, he, that's yeah. a seven-year-old. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, they'll amazing. they'll find what they love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I cannot let you go without mentioning too. So the studio work that you've done, and we we've talked a lot about the time with Billy Joel, and but there you've done studio work with. I mean, top other top artists like Stevie Nicks and um, Karen Carpenter and uh, Paul McCartney, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. So uh, yeah. that and two dollars and seventy five cents will get you right. on subway. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I, I, you played with Billy Joel? Come for the turnstile. Don't worry about the money. Just come on. No. Come on down. No, but I, I do. I love the fact that. Um, you know, though musicians like that recognize your contribution to music, and and it's just it's fantastic. You know, it, it, the the thing with Paul McCartney was great, but one of the highlights was we did um, his nine uh, eleven thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at Madison Square Garden yes. for the heroes that that thing, and I was walking with another band member and uh, backstage, and Paul was walking towards us. And before he went in the door, he saw me and he looked at me and he said, hi, Liberty. And the, the guy, Paul went in the room and the guy standing next to me goes, oh, my God, he knows your name. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh. It, I mean, it's it is. It's pretty amazing. Like they like we said, the, the band that really changed things for everybody. And um yeah. yeah, and but of course he does because he it, he knows that musicians know. You know what's great about getting older in the business is a lot of the younger guys now look up to you, and mm -hmm. you, you know they they are interested in in how you did what you did and and what the difference is between recording the, today as it was back then. Yes. You know, when you tell him that, oh, we all sat in there, the vocal that you hear Billy singing is what he sang when the whole band was playing. Yeah. You know, it's so different now. You can't, uh, with Pro Tools, you can take a little piece out and put it over here, take a piece out, put it over there. No, you had to play the whole song all the way through. No mistakes, yeah. you know. Amazing. And if there was mistakes, you left them in. Yeah, that, and they lived, right, in the music. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so let's let's uh, not forget to to leave with a note of advice to to those artists who are looking up to you. And um, what what would you tell them if they, you know, give us give us some advice? I always say, well, there's this great quote from uh, uh, Dion. He he said he he asked Buddy Holly once. He said, "What can I do?" to become successful. Now this is Dion talking to Buddy Holly, asking Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly said, I can't tell you what to do to become successful, but I can tell you don't necessarily do what other people tell you you should be doing. Because you, you need to create your own you know, thing. You need to create your own thing. There's so many people that I have a friend, and I won't tell you who it is. He's in a huge band, probably the the biggest band now that sells out coliseums and arenas and everything. Now mm -hmm. he's in that band, and when he started taking lessons, the guy came in and said, um, "Okay, uh, we got uh, Steve Gadd track here. We're gonna learn to play like Steve Gadd." Oh, you learned a part, and and then then he said. Um, after he learned a part, he goes, "That was good. Okay, we're going to learn another Steve Gadd song." And he told the teacher, "He goes, wait a minute, I don't want to learn how to play. Like, I don't want to be Steve Gadd. 
I want to be me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he went on and developed his own thing to create this band that because of lack of knowledge created their own thing mm -hmm. and became this phenomenon. Amazing. You know? Yeah. So do so, your own thing, right? Just Dom Femularo once told me when, when I, when I said, um, you know, I, I put out a, a book, Music Minus One, just to think Billy Joel, and, and they, uh, somebody else wrote out what I played, because I, I can't tell you what I played, you know, mm -hmm. writing. And, um, you know, Dom was nice, and we were talking about music books, and he said, you know, at the end of a music book, you, you turn it, and there's just a blank page back there. Mm -hmm. He goes, that's when it's time for you to start creating your own stuff right on that black page, blank page, you know, because you have to create, you have to, yes. even, even Dom with his solos and stuff like that, you know, he tries to create things that nobody's doing yet, you know, and I could see drummers, they do some things and I go, oh, you watch Dom's videos, don't you, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yes. yeah, I mean, you, you have to, you, you, you start to uh, emulate people mm -hmm. and then you, you create your own thing out of that. Right, right. You can go so far with what other people have done and then and then you have to innovate, right? Yeah, there already is somebody doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you go to a music teacher, if he has 50 students, there's going to be 50 guys that are playing the same thing. Like right. Like a music teacher, unless you start to, you know, find out what you do well and really make it great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That is great advice. Thank you so much, Liberty. I really, really appreciate you taking the time today and being here and, and sharing with us. This is great. Well, and, I love it. And I'm yeah. looking forward to the next thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're holding a moose and we'll tell everyone what you're doing there. So very soon, Liberty will be up at Drumeo filming with uh with the guys up there and creating some content and we've been joking the whole time about how it's canada so you need to see a moose right got to it's it's in vancouver so <laughs> I, I hope there's moose there i don't know <laughs> i know well hopefully hopefully you'll get to see a moose <laughs> all right but thank you so much liberty and we will um we'll see you soon yep okay bye, bye. thank you for tuning in today Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.